The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. I think you want to get points on the board. That's a nice drive for your offense. Let's reward them with points. You want to get your confidence going. You want to get into the flow of this game, especially after the loss last week. I think you get three here is a good job. And it helps when you've got the most accurate field goal kicker in the Big Ten Conference and Mike Meyer. He's got a little help from the breeze today. That's at his back heading in this direction, and he's good from 40 yards out. So both teams get some points on their first drives of the day. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have the second of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook segments in this podcast, this one featuring Steve Batterson, who looks ahead at the Hawks' road game at Indiana. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Indiana's Kevin Wilson. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast. The Iowa Northwestern game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mowens and Joey Galloway. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz was asked about his level of concern over Iowa's defense that has been gashed the last two games. They're different than Northwestern, certainly. And, and Northwestern, you know, was two two different teams going into the game. Uh, they, they shifted towards one in one direction Saturday. So, you know, it really became an option game, option attack game, if you will, uh, with a quarterback that, uh, you know, is an outstanding runner. But both these guys will run the football. Uh, I think the difference is if, if you know, if they're on the move they're looking to throw the ball and then they'll pull it down and go they do have some cold runs but uh, their intent to if they break the pockets more to throw the football whereas you know last week it was a little different story so you know that that's kind of the challenge here but the, these guys have uh, really good skilled players uh, their lines much improved I'll start there uh, their veteran players are playing well but they're, they're new guys and some young guys are really playing playing uh, really well up front uh, they're better there uh, the running back was good last year he's still good and they've got really good guys out there on the perimeter two of them have really good size as well so it's you know they give you a lot of challenges Ference assesses the Indiana defense. I'd say aggressiveness, number one. You know, they really uh, play with a, a reckless, uh, aggressive attitude, and that's reflected probably statistically. You know, the tackles for losses they have, that type of thing. And, and they've got some uh, different players. They've got some some veteran guys. Some guys have changed positions, but they're, they're really playing uh, with a lot of confidence, and they're, they're playing hard. I think that's the biggest thing. The whole team's playing hard, but their defense really plays hard. They blitz, but it's not off the charts. So I wouldn't describe them as a just, you know, off the charts type blitz team. Uh, but they're, they're, you know, they're aggressive players. They have guys in the back end that, that 
that run well and uh, aren't afraid to hit. And uh, I think their linebackers have been very active. And, and uh, you know, the core of their de- the starting point is their inside guys on defense. They're, those guys are both vet- veteran players, but they're both very good players. Very disruptive. We had our time with them last year, both guys. Ferentz was asked about Iowa's passing game this year, which seems to be more focused on the perimeter as opposed to downfield. Yeah, you know, we throw the ball pretty much to everybody. You know, our back squad a couple last week. Tight ends catch them. So we, we try to utilize uh, everybody we have. And really the defense kind of dictates where the ball goes most of the time. So, you know, it's strictly perimeter throwing. But, you know, just, you know, we try to mix it up. Yeah, I mean, we're open to suggestion if you have any. I don't want to sound like Cam Newton, but we're open, open to suggestions. But, I mean, yeah, we're, we're trying to throw more than hitches and outs for sure. Trying. Kirk was asked just how close this team is to significant improvement at this point in the season. Probably closer in our first two Big Ten games. You know, I think you could suggest look at those games and say, hey, we played pretty well, especially given what's happened since that. You know, I mean, or if you look at the whole picture in, in uh, entirety. But one thing about football, every week's a different, you know, different story. Every team, no team's the same uh, week to week. And I think, you know, you just look around the conference of the country, you see that. So what we need to do is just worry about where we're at this week. Yeah, you know, we know what our challenges are from an injury situation or being on the road, all those things that factor into every game and uh, take what we have and see what we can do about coming out with a win. And Ferentz talks about the outside noise coming this year, especially given his team's struggles. Uh, you know, I don't know if I can rate years. I mean, there was noise in 99, I'm pretty sure. In fact, there was noise as I was getting here, not only before I got here, but when I was getting here, there was some noise. So, yeah, noise is not uncommon to sports, I think, you know, and it's just a matter of where the noise is. You know, back in the old days, it used to be in taverns and pubs, coffee shops, and now it's just a little bit more, you don't have to go as hard or look as hard to find it or hear it, I guess, but it's part of sports. I mean, it's, you know, I'm driving into work the other day, and uh, they were talking about, uh, a couple of radio guys were talking about the Tigers being out of it, and I guess they are pretty prophetic because they are out of it, but at that point, they were 0-2, and they're two of the most resilient teams in baseball, and, you know, I don't think the Tigers put the flag up, and I know San Francisco hasn't this year, so, yeah, you know, it just, that's sports. You know, people are going to talk about anything, whether it's going good, bad, or indifferent, and uh, if you're involved in it, you better, you know, we all like riding in parades. I've said that before. It's a lot more fun, but when you when you do things competitively, you know, it's going to go both ways, so what you need to focus on is what's in front of you and try to make it make it go the right way. Next, we hear from second-year Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson, who was asked about his views on Indiana's very slight chance to win the leaders' division. You know, I think, you know, early in the year you talk about that, what well, we, well, we've been harping on, and, and even when we were struggling three and four and five weeks ago on the short side of scoreboards, but playing well, it was just constant daily improvement, taking it quarter by a game at a time. We're trying to take it a day at a time. Uh, and so our whole deal is, is you know, we did finally have a, a scoreboard go our way uh, Saturday. We still had them out a lot of things we can clean up and so we kind of address that with those guys first thing Monday and we're just trying to teach our guys how to keep putting weeks back to back. We've got a long way to go in building our team and we've had you know very short success, very small success so I don't think we're strong enough to look at big pictures. We're just trying to keep it very small, very simple and, and our total focus this whole year has been has been talking about just constant, daily consistent improvement. That's all we're doing and then we build that into to a game and at the end, of the end of the day we see what the scoreboard is and at the end of the year we'll see what the record is. That's all Wilson talks about the spike in attendance this year at Memorial Stadium. Well, I think locally, I know since uh, Fred Glass has been here, our AD, they've kind of our whole thing the last three, four years as far as, as, as sales has went up. We still we're still we still need to get some bodies in, in, in the stands. So I think our crowd can always be more vibrant, have more energy, and help us continue to create a, a home field advantage. But our attendance this year has been really good. I think I think our, our fans have had some excitement that they do think we're we're building a better product, but I still think we can uh, 
even have larger, better crowds, more energy. And I'd love to have one this week with Iowa and then the following week for our last home game. But I think our, our attendance is attributed to, to our administration, what Mr. Glass has done. It's been uh, just something he's targeted. Hopefully, you know, again, we haven't played great this year, but we are playing better. I think our kids are competing. I think our kids are putting a good product on the field. And with Iowa coming in, I'd love to have a big crowd uh, Saturday here for the 330 kick with Iowa. Wilson discusses his quarterback situation. You know, we're playing with a backup, you know, and they both need to be better. You know, we're still our best quarterbacks are Trey Roberson, so we're still having, uh, you know, doing some okay things offensively, but Saturday was, you know, not really a particularly good day offensively. Credit to Illinois' defense and their talent and their scheme. Early, I thought Nate made an errant play and just kind of kind of threw a ball for grabs I didn't like and, and went with Nate. Nate got a hot hand. I would have said in the earlier games that, that probably Cam, or excuse me, Nate was going to play earlier, but Cam got a hot hand. They're both um, uh, they're both young players that just need to play better. It was nice because I really think for us to play well, a quarterback has to play well, and we really didn't get that, that good a play at quarterback Saturday, and we still came out with a W. So that being said, we're really using that as a positive for our quarterbacks to really push themselves. The offensive line protection, the run game picking up, receivers, the whole crowd, because uh, we'll need to play better this week. So uh, we expect both of them to play, and we'll see how the week goes as far as which one goes out first. But they're they're both kind of 1A, 1B. They're both about the same animal right now. Wilson was asked about his team status as the only FBS squad to not have lost a single fumble the entire season. Well, we, we work on a little bit. We did the, have the, we've had the ball out three times, so we just, you know, part of our deal in getting here was learning how to play play hard, learning how to play smart, learning how to play physical, and we're still, you know, trying to learn all three of those faces, but, you know, you know, reducing penalties, reducing negative plays, misassignments, and taking care of the ball are things that win, so it's just something we, we emphasize. Same time, it's a credit to the kids, because you can talk about it, but if your kids don't buy in and embrace it and, and do that, so, but, you know, ball security is also, uh, it's offensive linemen keeping hands down, so you don't have bad balls. It's backside protection, so your quarterback doesn't get blindsided to blitz pickups. Um, and so it's it's a commitment from, from everyone on the offense, and, and it's just and, and something we started a year ago. We weren't that good at a year ago. We've gotten better, and it's just one of the keys to, to building a program, and we'll keep trying to take care of the ball. It's, um, that's one of the reasons we were able to get a, a win Saturday, because we didn't play particularly great, but we, we did have an advantage in turnovers, and you know, that's always one of the keys. I think um, put up on board the other day, I think, of course, we're playing the number one team in, in the Big Ten in turnover ratio. Iowa's tied with Penn State. But I think the top 10 teams in turnover ratio are 73 and 7. So the teams that take care of the ball and the teams that get turnovers are the teams that usually win. And that's 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 every coach you know preaches and does it. And right now we're just having a little success and when you keep building one. And Wilson assesses the Iowa team that will come into Bloomington this Saturday. You know those guys, Coach Prince and his staff, and they got a couple of new coordinators. But you know me and me and Phil Parker go back to shoot 20 years ago recruiting together when he was at Toledo and I was at Miami. So got a lot of respect for him. Got a lot of respect going against Greg Davis when he's at Texas. Know what he's about offensively. You know, but it all starts with Coach Ferentz and the program that they build. So, you know, they've they've been on the short side of a couple couple games here, but now they've, they've lost to some good teams. And they they had one game go go our, our a couple games like we had against Central Michigan, where they let a game get away, where they you know just didn't make a play down the stretch. But Iowa is a strong program, a winning program, a program that we try to not quote copy, but a lot of things they do is is what we're trying to do in building our program: toughness, physical play in the line of scrimmage, playing better defense, taking care of the ball, kicking it good, surround yourself with good coaches, surround yourself with good players. And Coach Ferentz is the dean of our league. His program and his, his body of work speaks for itself. His football team will have a great week. They'll come out this week and play Iowa football, which will be a handful for us to handle while we're trying
trying to do is build our team and, and be ready to handle a challenge at home with what I think is going to be a team that's going to come in and play well. So I expect them to play Iowa football, which is one of the winning programs this decade, one of the winning programs in the last two or three decades of a Big Ten. So I expect I expect Iowa to show up and play like Iowa plays, and I'm looking forward to seeing if our team is gaining on it and if we can match the challenge and, and see if we can put together another, another back-to-back week and see if we can keep playing positive football here at IU. Taking a quick look ahead, Iowa plays its second consecutive road game on Saturday when it travels to Bloomington to face an improving Indiana team. The Hawkeyes are fighting to stay above 500 and are 4-4 four and four overall, 2-2 two and two in conference play. The Hawkeyes have struggled in their last two games, both losses, showing few signs of improvement through eight games, and they're facing an uphill battle to become bowl eligible. The Hoosiers are 3-5 overall, 1-3 in the Big Ten, and coming off a road win against Illinois, which snapped a five-game losing streak. Four of their losses, however, have come by a combined total of just 10 points. Iowa leads in this series 42-27-4. The Hawks have won the last four games and also lead in games played in Bloomington 19-17-1. Many of the games have been close, especially those played at Indiana, where the Hoosiers last won in 2007. Indiana is actually favored in this Big Ten game. That's something that hasn't occurred since 2007. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is the dean of Big Ten coaches in his four 14th year at Iowa, where his record now stands at 170. Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson is in year two of his Hoosiers rebuilding program. He previously served as Bob Stoops' offensive coordinator at Oklahoma and has brought a very fast-paced, explosive offense to the Indiana program. Wilson is 4-16 as a head coach there. This will be the last time these two teams face each other until at least 2017, as the Big Ten schedule changes for the next two years. One interesting note, only two teams in the FBI have lost fewer fumbles this season than Iowa. Clemson's lost one, and of course, Indiana, none. While Iowa's defense has maintained some decent national rankings, it has been slashed and gashed in its last two games when facing up-tempo offenses, and that's exactly what Indiana will bring to the table on Saturday. The Hoosiers have scored at least 24 points in all of their games and are first in the conference in pass offense, second in total offense, and third in scoring offense. Many of the scores have come on light fast drives. Indiana has already scored more points in its first eight games than it did in the entire season last year. Inclement weather might tend to favor the Hawks a bit, slowing down the Hoosiers, and Saturday's forecast calls for a chance of showers, so that will be something to watch. While Indiana's defense is improving and has amassed quite a few tackles for loss and sacks, it remains vulnerable to both rushing and passing. And if Iowa's offense has any remaining hope of putting things together this year, this game might be its last best chance to do so. Realistically, to keep any bowl eligibility hopes alive, this game is as close to a must-win for Iowa as it gets. Great story. Compelling and rich. Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows. This was Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks ahead at the Indiana game and more. Steve, before we turn to the Indiana game, let's take one last quick look back at Iowa's loss at Northwestern. Okay, do we have to? Yeah, no, I guess so. It's... uh... (laughs) 
kind of a uh, uh, you know another tough week for the Hawkeyes in in, in a different mode. I mean, this was uh, collapse of the defense against a, a running and an option type attack that uh, um, you know Iowa really had no answer for. Uh, King Coulter played a, a superb game, and and uh, you throw Venrick Mark in there as well, and, and it became uh, a tough challenge for Iowa. And, you know, some breakdowns on special teams certainly helped break the game open too, and, and it, it became a very long afternoon very quickly for the Hawkeyes. So the Hawkeyes now travel to Bloomington to face Indiana, a Hoosiers team that struggles defensively but has put up some pretty spectacular offensive numbers. The Hawks are trying to avoid falling below 500 for the first time since 2007, let alone trying to get to six wins necessary for bowl eligibility. A big week you know, in a lot of respects for, for both teams, really. Um, Iowa, obviously, uh, you know, there's still a lot out there. They're sitting at 4-4 four and four and, and uh, you know, two very difficult games on the back end of the schedule, but before you can even start to think about that, you've, you've got to concern yourself with Indiana first, and, and that's where things are at right now. And it's an interesting Indiana team. I mean, they're, they're putting a ton of points up on the board, but they're giving up a ton of points. They're giving up a ton of yards. Um, they, they've been involved in some real shootouts with people, and uh, you know that that's a that's the type of thing that uh, Iowa really hasn't seen too much of this season. And and from what we've seen in the Iowa offense, I, I don't know if necessarily if they want to get into a shootout with anybody at this point. Indiana, of course, comes into this game after snapping a, a long losing streak at Illinois, but even so. Four of their losses this year have been by a combined total of uh, only 10 points. And defensively, Iowa struggled against Penn State via the pass, struggled against Northwestern, getting slashed by the run. But Indiana comes in with some really unusual stats. They've got eight touchdown drives under 60 seconds, 15 touchdown drives under 90 seconds. They have an average play running every 21 seconds, and 24 of their last 29 scoring drives, including 19 touchdowns, have taken three minutes or less. Now, how's Iowa's defense going to cope with that? Well, they're going to have to cope, and they're going to have to cope very quickly. This is an Indiana team, not, not totally unlike the last two opponents. They like to run a lot of plays, and they like to, to get things moving fairly quickly, but there's going to be very little time to adjust on the fly based on what they're seeing across the line. And, and it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I think that has led to some of the points that Indiana has been able to put up and, and how quickly they've been able to move downfield. They're not giving people a chance to settle in whatsoever. It's an interesting collection of, of, of personnel and, and stats, and I mean, you've got two quarterbacks that are kind of rotating with uh, with Trey Roberson out of the out of the picture with an injury. A couple of kids who are fairly inexperienced at this level, so they've kind of been going with the hot hand. And you know, it appears that you know that Cam Kaufman, a, a junior college transfer who was the younger brother of former Kansas State quarterback, is, is going to get the start again on Saturday. But uh, Nate Sutfeld, who, who came in and, and relieved him and played very well at Illinois last week is probably going to see the field as well, and they're, they're both, uh, you know, they're both the type of quarterbacks that uh, have, have a little bit of running ability. They're probably more passing uh, type type quarterbacks, traditional uh, guys who are going to, you know, look to pass if they get into into trouble rather than run it like uh, like we saw a week ago with with Kane Coulter. So uh, a different type of challenge, and uh, but yet they've got a, you know, in, in Stephen Houston they, they've got a, a bulldozer at running back, and I mean he's He's a six foot, two hundred and twenty pounder that uh, that you know isn't afraid to, to run through you. So they, they've got some different types of weapons, and it, it's going to be an interesting offense to watch. I, I think uh, you know it, that's the one side of the ball where Indiana certainly made a lot of progress compared to where they were a year ago in Iowa City when when Roberson made his, his first start. Uh, 
you know, in, in what was really a fairly lopsided game. That's even more amazing because Roberson has been out with a broken leg since the second game, so they're really using their number two and three quarterbacks to do this. They've scored 24 or more points in every game they've played this year. They rank first in the Big Ten in pass offense, second in total offense, third in scoring offense. In terms of Iowa's defense matching up the line, the linebackers, the backfield, how do you see that playing itself out? What are the keys for Iowa in that respect? Well, I, I think certainly Iowa's defensive line should match up fairly well with the Indiana offensive line. Now, they're both fairly young, but I think Iowa probably still has a little bit of an edge in experience there, which you know, this Indiana front has, has two freshmen uh, lining up, and they're both true freshmen as well. So, you know, it, it's a pretty young group of pups, and uh, along with, uh, you know, another couple of sophomores. So it's the type of thing that I think Iowa should be able to establish some something up front, which, uh, you know, it's, it was part of the issue last week. And, and I think that uh, obviously the secondary is going to be challenged by uh, by the passing and, and the, the Indiana has done so well throughout the season. And you know we'll need a big game from, from you know, whoever's in that secondary, whether they're using that, you know, I, I would suspect we're going to see, you know, quite a few nickels and dimes as, as the, as the, uh, as the game progresses, because that tends to be what, uh, you know, how one Iowa has drifted to, and it, it certainly seems to be uh, something that would be a necessity against Indiana. In terms of Indiana's receivers, who should Iowa's defense, first of all, focus on and Iowa fans look for? Well, I, I think you, you've got a couple of, of, of kids, in there, and again, they're, they're, they're underclassmen. Uh, Shane Lynn was a kid who was really effective on special teams a, a year ago. He's been their most productive receiver so far this season. He's averaging about five, a little over five catches a game. Uh, uh, but, you know, you've got Kofi Hughes, who's probably the, the grizzled red of the bunch, and he's a junior, and, and Cody Latimer is a sophomore. So, I mean, you've got, you've got some, some guys out there with, uh, you know, some ability, and, and they don't hesitate to throw it to the tight end either. Ted Bolter's a guy who's been around for a couple of years. He's a junior now and, and uh, very effective as well. So, you know, they'll look in a lot of directions with their passing game, and it, it certainly is, uh, you know, the type of thing that, that uh, will challenge uh, will challenge Iowa's defense from, from front to back. You keep mentioning it, but Indiana is a very young team. Last year, they played 16 true freshmen plus 16 redshirt freshmen. So that's 32 kids this year, even though they're young, they're pretty veteran. Yeah, they've had some experience, and and, and I think that's kind of where the progress has come, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, their biggest concerns heading into this season were defense, and, and uh, you know, they went out and, and signed some junior college kids in hopes of kind of bolstering that side of the, of the thing up a little bit. And it's been a work in progress, and it, you know, and so a couple of junior college kids are kids that, that played their Juco ball in Iowa last year, and you know both of those guys have kind of put themselves in a position where they're uh, you know in backup roles right now. But uh, uh, you know it certainly is uh, you know it's a work in progress over there for them. But uh, you know, it, it, this is a young football team. I mean Kevin Wilson inherited a program that uh, you know he he wanted to build in his in his style, and uh, he hasn't hesitated to make changes. They, they have a new offensive coordinator this year. But, uh, you know they brought in from Arizona, and uh, and they have a very uh, opportunistic uh, attitude on on offense, and they're a very aggressive attitude on defense, and, and uh, they kind of mirror their their coach's image. I mean, they they Big Ten losing streak of eleven games last week with a win at Illinois, and Kevin Wilson's talk this week has been, has been about how it was one of the worst offensive performances of the season, despite the fact they ended up winning thirty one to seventeen. Now the flip side of the coin, if you're an Iowa fan, you look at the the Indiana statistics defensively and you say, well, if there's ever a week where 
Iowa's offense can get untracked, maybe it's this week. Indiana's 93rd in the nation in total defense. They allow an average of 438 yards per game. They're last in the Big Ten in rushing defense, allowing 225 and a half. Interestingly, against Michigan State, Ohio State, and Illinois, they gave up an average of 265.8 rushing yards a game. Now, Weissman's out. You've got Bullock. You assume you'll have to see Garmin at running back because given Bullock's coming back from those concussions, I don't see how he can carry the weight the entire game. But Iowa's offense should be able to get on track, shouldn't it? I would think so. Uh, you know, and this has been a, a, an Indiana defense that opponents have been able to, to sustain some drives against. And uh, if you look at their average possession time, it, it's uh, it's pretty lopsided in favor of the other team. And, and you know, if there was a week for, for Iowa to make things work, this is probably it. And, and, and you're right, Bullock, I don't think, will be able to go from start to finish. Greg Carmen is probably going to have to be in the mix to, to some degree. And, uh, you know, they're going to need production out of both of those guys, and, and as well as, as the receivers. And I, I think this is a, is a good opportunity for Vandenberg to kind of get on track a little bit and, you know, use some of those short, some of those short passes to, to kind of move the chains in, in, in really what is almost a, uh, a, a running-like offense through the, through the air. And uh, a ball-control passing type game, I think, is, 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 a, is a good approach against Indiana. And, and uh, it, it's something that, uh, um, you know, Iowa uh, probably needs, if nothing else, just to help gain a little confidence in, in its own offensive skill and abilities. Let's talk a little bit more about Iowa's offensive game and passing game in particular. Again last week at Northwestern, you saw an overwhelming majority of the passes going out to the perimeter and the flat. Vandenberg throwing the ball 35, 40 yards in the air to gain three or four yards. And I know Kirk talked about that. He was asked about that Tuesday at the press conference and seemed to be a little evasive and or testy. But whatever, if that's by design, if that's Vandenberg changing the play, talk about that a bit. Because one of the problems to me seems to really be the fact that if that's the kind of passing game Davis is going to emphasize, at least this year, then Iowa has to be near the bottom of the FBS in terms of yards after catch, which is what you need to make that passing game effective. Yeah, Davis is working with a slower product than he worked with at Texas. And he's made that pretty clear. Uh, going back into the spring, that, that Iowa needs an upgrade in speed at, at the receiver positions, and I think what we've seen is, is that kind of play out a little bit. Uh, I think his preference is, is for a, a short, intermediate-type passing game. I, I don't think he's the guy that wants to go deep on a, on a very frequent basis, but, uh, um, you know, and, and I think that that probably is, is where Iowa's best served at this point, given its its uh, receiving core, and, and I think that that's uh, that is limiting Iowa's ability a little bit. There's no question about that. It certainly crowds things up defensively as well, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it is what it is right now, and that's kind of where things are headed. Another baffling thing about that, if you accept all of that, is then why aren't there more passes going to Iowa's tight ends? This is one of Marv Cook's pet peeves. Yeah, and I think so. I think a lot of that, frankly, has to do with the fact that CJ is, is attracting so much defensive attention. And early on, I think that was really the, uh, a huge issue, and I think it's the type of thing that uh, uh, what that does is it leaves other guys open, and, and it, it places to temptation basically for Vandenberg. And um, you know, if, if somebody else is open, you're, you're going to go to that guy. Um, now we have seen them go a little more to the tight ends in recent weeks, but uh, but I think it's uh, um, it, it's more a function of what I what I and what Vandenberg are seeing from the defenses as opposed to anything else. More from Steve Batterson after this break. Colton. Scoop it up, Venerick Mark down at the bottom of the pile. 
Scott looks like he's fighting with Micah Hyde for position. And Iowa's got it. With Northwestern knocking on the door, the Hawkeyes get their second turnover. If I was going to have a chance to get back in this game, it's going to be by mistakes. Mistakes by Northwestern and their ability to capitalize on a fumble on the ball on the ground. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Given Indiana's overall bad defensive statistics, one thing kind of is odd coming out of that, that's the fact that Indiana leads the Big Ten in tackles for loss. They're third in sacks. Yeah, risk, risk and reward, I guess. Uh, they're very aggressive defensively, and, and they will not uh, they will not hesitate to, to uh, you know, take a shot downfield to, to get in the backfield pretty quickly. And, uh, now, the, the danger in that is, is they are a little susceptible to, to the big play, and I think they've been burned a few times with that, but they will come after Vandenberg. They will come after you know Bullock or, or whoever's in the backfield at a, at a given point in time. And, and you know, particularly with Iowa's uh, uh, horizontal passing attack, for lack of a better term, I guess that that uh, that could be a frustrating part of an uh, element of, of Saturday's game. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, there's no doubt that they will. Uh, they, they're not necessarily overly heavy in terms of, of of being a blitzing type team, but they definitely will come after you when the when the need arises. Iowa lead. The Big Ten tied with Penn State, actually, in turnover margin at a plus eight. They have the second fewest giveaways, and yet Indiana is the only team in the entire FBS without a fumble. Yes, they haven't. They've dropped it three times, but they haven't lost one. It's been a. These are two teams that do tend to take care of the ball and and value ball security. Some of it has to do, I think, with the uh, with the guys who are carrying it. You know where where it's at most of the time, and um, you know Stephen Houston is a guy who. who is, who has a pretty good set of hands and, and a pretty good wrap on on the football, and um, it's one of those things that uh, there there will not be very many opportunities for takeaways. But when they're there, you better take advantage of them because you you don't know when the next one may pop up. One quick focus on special teams: Iowa has begun to look a little bit the last couple of weeks with Jordan Cotton returning kickoffs. They may be able to get something out of that aspect of the game. But Indiana leads the Big Ten and the nation in kickoff returns. They average. 
24.3 yards of return, and their true freshman Tevin Coleman leads the Big Ten with 26.7 yards of return. Yeah, they've got a couple of really nice guys back there. Coleman and obviously Wynn is coming off a pretty solid freshman year from a year ago, too. And so they've got two guys that are both pretty effective, and, and you know, it's going to be probably the Iowa's advantage to, to boot that thing as far downfield as they can, and, and, and if, if they can knock it into the end zone, that's probably a, probably the best the best method is, is to not give those guys any opportunity. The other guy in special teams I'd mention, too, is, is Mitch, Mitch Ewald, their junior kicker, is a pretty solid foot. And, you know, not unlike Mike Meyer, he, he's been fairly consistent, not not to the degree that, that Meyer necessarily has, but uh, they've got a they've got a pretty good kicker as well. So it's one of those things that both teams uh, are, are you know have some ability on special teams to, to make some some plays, and and uh, that could turn out to be a, a pretty critical factor. Saturday. Key players offensively and defensively for Iowa this Saturday, if they have any hopes of coming out of Bloomington with a win. Well, I, I do think that we need to start seeing some things out of out of Norwitz on offense. I think. That's one of those things. That one of these weeks, he's going to come through with a big game. It's in some big games, and you know he has made some catches the last couple of weeks, but he hasn't necessarily picked up a ton of yards after the catch either. You know, I think that we, we the Hawkeyes are definitely in need of another big game out of out of Bullock. I think he's he's going to be critical both as a running back and as a receiver. And that's one of the nice things that they can do with him is is that he does have that ability to catch the ball, not unlike the Fred Russell out of the backfield, and. I think that that's uh, certainly a part of the offense that uh, uh, Greg Davis is, is very comfortable with, and, and Vandenberg certainly seems to be very comfortable with. So, uh, you know, I would anticipate that area would be a, a, a pretty uh, a pretty uh, key area for Iowa as well. Uh, you know, uh, defensively, uh, you know, uh, Indiana's going to, uh, what they do kind of starts up front. They've got a couple of veteran guys in the middle, and Larry Black and, and Adam uh, Adam Rapopel that uh, that uh, are, are guys that, uh, you know, they have built a defense around and then they will they will test Vandenberg and, and his ability to avoid sacks is, will be critical once again this week. You know, on the other side of the ball for Iowa, I, you know, I think that uh, you know this this is the type of matchup. I think that, that you know guys like Mike Hyde and and uh, guys on the back end like uh, Casillo and Lowry live for. I mean, the, the ball's going to be in the air; it'll be there for the taking, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I, this could be a big week for the Hawkeye secondary. Prediction? Um, I, I think that uh, I think that it's. Uh, another road game and I think Iowa has not performed at the same level on the road that it has at home and, and I guess if I had to put it down on paper this week which I don't have to do uh, but I will for you uh, <laughs> I would probably go with, with Indiana at home in and in a very close game I think it'll probably be a little a little lower scoring than maybe what Indiana has averaged and I think it has to be for Iowa to have any sort of a chance in this one but uh, I, I could see the you know the Hoosiers taking taking it 24-21 somewhere down in, in that neighborhood. Before we close out this week, last weekend was probably a bit of sort of a separation Saturday in the Big Ten Conference. Any particular Big Ten thoughts this week? You, you know, you forge ahead again, and, and uh, you know, Nebraska at, at Michigan State is a, is, a, is a huge game in, in the Legends division, and uh, you know, I think that's probably the one that everybody's looking at, it, to see what Michigan State can do following its, its big win at Wisconsin, uh, uh, against Wisconsin a week ago, and uh, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, a situation 
situation where Michigan State's defense is awfully good, and, and uh, I mean that's been the one constant from week to week. And if they can manufacture anything uh, um, offensively, uh, they may have a chance to to knock Nebraska off of off of that perch that they now now share with Michigan in the division. So it's November; everything's magnified, and and uh, uh, you know that certainly is probably the matchup of the of the week uh, conference-wide for sure. Were you as surprised as I was last week about how easily Ohio State handled Penn State at Happy Valley, especially given how how almost perfectly Penn State played the week before at Iowa? Ohio State's an awfully good football team, and I, and I think you know the one thing that uh, that we're we're all seeing is, is that uh, you know this may be a first-year situation for Urban Meyer, but uh, you know Ohio State's talent level is is pretty good, and 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 the fact that they were able to go to a place where where they've now won three straight, you know, is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, Penn State had a lot to play for, but I don't think they probably had the depth and maybe uh, quite the uh, the quickness that Ohio State did. And then the fact that Ohio State was kind of able to pull ahead and then take advantage of a couple of mistakes, I think, really turned that thing around. And this is a Buckeye team. I mean, they host Illinois this week, and you know, with, with only two left after that, including you know the team from up north. Uh, you know, it, it's an Ohio State team that could end up 12 and 0 by the end of the month with uh, with no place to go. And here's a pleasant thought for Iowa fans to sleep on. Indiana goes off the schedule for at least four years after the season, and Ohio State comes back on. Yes, and, and Wisconsin pops back on, and <laughs> and uh, Illinois remains off, and, and Penn State is off. So, you know, it, it, the schedule for Iowa beginning next season, uh, in terms of who they, who they play out of the leaders' division, is, is going to be much more challenging. And, uh, you know, for whoever is, is behind center at, quor- at quarterback next season, they're, they're they're going to be tested early and often in this conference. There's no question about that. Well, we got Peter. And they got guys named Laser and Blazer and Taser and all kinds of Asians. Cats will go to 7-2, and 3-2 two, and two in the Legends. Iowa will fall to 4-4, four and 2-2 four, two and two in the Legends division. And for the Hawkeyes, Indiana, Purdue, Michigan, and Nebraska, out of those four, they're going to at least have to get a couple to become bowl eligible. Final score, Northwestern 28, Iowa 17. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. (laughs) 
Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the game highlights this week, and special thanks to Steve Batterson, who subbed in late for the Gazette's Scott Docterman. Scott will be back again next week to preview the Purdue game. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.